Are you tired of putting yourself last? Of taking care of everybody else's needs and powering through to meet the next set of impossible standards? In our fast-paced society, we lose touch with our intrinsic worth, with the ability to value ourselves for who we are right now. Instead of living life exhausted, frustrated, and disconnected from your authentic self, maybe it's time to put yourself back in the life you've worked so hard to create. Join radio host and life choreographer Laura Cheadle and learn how to build your dreams and live your sparkle using the five steps of flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Hello, welcome to Flaunt. Build your dreams and live your sparkle. I'm Laura Cheadle, and before we get rolling on today's show, I want to take a moment and give you a gift. Why? Because I'm really, really excited about this gift, and I can't wait to get it out there. This gift is the free ebook. It's not my full size book. It's the ebook. It's a downloadable ebook, and it's called 15 Ways to Flaunt Today. And the reason I'm so excited about giving it to you, and the reason that I know you're going to love it so much, is this book is a small book of 15 tips of how you can be flaunting yourself today. Now, what, may you ask, is flaunting? Flaunting is I mean, it's a great word, obviously, but flaunting is an acronym, and it stands for find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. And if you're anything like me, you have spent years molding yourself into somebody else's idea of what you should be, starting way back. In elementary school, as a kid, we try to please our parents by altering our behavior. In school, we get the syllabus, and what do we do? We meet those expectations. The syllabus tells us what to do. We say, all right, I'm going to do it. You know, somebody sets the bar. We're like, yep, I can jump over it. They raise it. We say, yep, I'm going to jump over it. We go to college. We're barreling down the road into successful, you know, life, successful living. Yes, I'm going to do this. Yes, I'm going to take the LSAT or whatever it is. Since I'm a lawyer, I'm familiar with the LSAT. But we're always succeeding. We're always looking at somebody else's standard. We're always figuring out what it is that we want to do. And then we're trying to clear that hurdle, which is great in some regards because we succeed that way. But here's the problem. Once we enter life, once we succeed, once we clear that hurdle, we're still always looking for somebody else to validate us. We are auditioning, we are applying, we are interviewing, whether we are trying to get clients or whether we're trying to get someone to hire us, we are always putting ourselves out there and hoping somebody else will find us worthy. When, if you think about it, is a little bit backwards because year after year of doing this, we start believing that we're not worthy unless we meet somebody else's standards. We start believing, even if we're amazing, that if we can't prove ourselves, then we have no worth. 
And again, if you're anything like me and many of the women that I work with and have been friends with, we're always proving ourselves, which means we're not living. Ha ha. Living, loving, enjoying the lives that we worked so hard to create. And my free ebook, 15 Ways to Flaunt Today, is just a quick snippet, a quick guide of 15 things that you can do today and every day to flaunt who you are. Now, I want to be clear, flaunting is not about showing off. It's not about bragging and posturing and being something you're not. It's about looking at you, owning your authentic gifts, owning who you are, and elevating yourself in your own eyes. So instead of proving and seeking to find your worth in other people's approval, instead you are approving of yourself. You're validating yourself and you're putting yourself out there in the world with the energy of, hey, I am worthy. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses. These are my dreams. These are my desires. And I am good enough. And if you choose to also find me worthy, fantastico. And if for some reason you don't like who I am, at least I have been clear enough to put myself out there so you can judge me any way you want to judge me, and I am still okay with who I am because I know that who I am is more than enough. So while you're thinking about it, Go to my website, Laura Cheadle, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E, and download my free ebook, 15 Ways to Flaunt Today. Now, of course, I also want you to hop on Amazon or whatever bookseller you choose and purchase my book book, my full-fledged book, Flaunt Drop your cover and reveal your smart, sexy, and spiritual self. But I realize it may take a couple of days for the book to get there. So right now, today, before you do anything else, L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E dot com and download my free ebook, 15 Ways to Flaunt Today. Now, let's move into the rest of the show. Today, we have got a pretty amazing guest that I'm really excited to introduce you to. Her name is Trisha Brooke, and you know, we've talked about speaking, and we've talked about storytelling, and we've talked about all those amazing things before in the past, but this woman, believe me, she is such a master at the art of public speaking because she is able to blend the art of storytelling with kind of theatrical aspects. She is an award-winning director and her experience in storytelling from the stage really impacts her ability to move her audiences. So without going into too much detail, I would just like to bring Trisha to the show. So Welcome to the show, Trisha. Laura, thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be here with you. 
Oh, I am so excited. Okay, I, it, this is one of those things. I don't even know where to start. So let's start from the very beginning. You have got a really long and interesting career from directing to speaking to coaching. How did you first start? Tell us a little bit about your career trajectory. I am from a small town in Missouri called Arnold, Missouri, and I decided that I was going to move to New York and dance on big stages when I was seven years old. I saw my sister take a stage at the dance recital, and I thought, that is what I need to be doing. And I studied dance all through high school, went on to study dance in college, and moved to New York City when I was 20 years old, didn't know anybody, celebrated my 21st birthday with the busboys at the restaurant I worked at, and they sang Feliz Cumpleaños to me, happy birthday <laughs> in Spanish. It was perfection. It was everything. And had my dreams come true. I danced all over the world. I was in several modern dance companies. I was living the dream. It was perfection. Wow. That's amazing. How did that feel? I mean, how did that feel in the moment where you achieved your dream? Did it feel like, oh, yeah, I totally knew this was going to happen? Or were you a little bit stunned that I can't believe this is actually happening? I always knew it would happen. I knew that I was going to move to New York, dance on big stages, and also dance with Brishnikov. And in 2000, when I danced with Brishnikov, it was like any normal day at the office, honestly. And I'm not saying that he's not the most famous, successful dancer that's pretty much ever lived. But what I'm saying is it became my job. It was what I was meant to do. I was a dancer and I was being paid to take stages. So choosing to live my dream in that way was just meant to be. Now, when I moved into choreography and directing and writing and now working with speakers, that is not something I had ever dreamt of. I knew that I was meant to take stages. I knew that I was meant to affect an audience by being on stage. And I had that, that mastered. I knew exactly how to get an audience to feel what I wanted them to feel when I was performing. I knew how to do it. I knew why I wanted to do it. I wanted to inspire people to think differently. I wanted to inspire people through my movement, through art. And I knew how to do that. That was one of my gifts. But I also knew that the impact I had was limited to the number of people in the audience and the length of the dance I was performing in. When that dance was over, so was my impact. When that audience left the theater, that was the end. And I decided that I wanted to have more impact. I wanted to reach more people more frequently and not have it be limited to that one fleeting moment in time. So when I decided to move on from dance, I knew that I could choreograph, I could choreograph on other dancers, I could choreograph on for film and television and theater which would have replays and would have more eyes on it and would inspire more people over time then I moved into directing same thing I could direct more shows I had more of an impact because there were more things that I could actually put out into the world and that is why I got into working with speakers because 
now the ripple effect mm -hmm. of how I make the world a better place is by every speaker I put onto a stage. Then they speak to an audience and they affect that audience. And then that audience tells their friends or they have a conversation over dinner. And that ripple effect with each speaker I put onto a big stage or with each subject I put onto the big screen in my documentaries, now my ripple effect is exponential. And that is how I'm making the world a better place. I love so much of that. What I hear is this common golden thread running, you know, throughout the whole story of your life is this intentional placement of energy, this intentional placement of good. It's not just, oh, I want to dance and what a great career and people are going to love me. And, ooh, I'm going to produce and direct, and this is going to be amazing for me. It's this intentional placement of good out into the world. And as you were telling your story and the ripple effect, whether it's producing, speaking, dancing, directing, I see you, like, handing this gold nugget out into the world. And it's a very polished, beautiful gold nugget. And... I just have to take a moment and honor you for having the wisdom and the foresight to offer that to people because that is a gift that I think many entertainers, whether they're dancers, singers, performers, you know, speakers, or even coaches, don't necessarily hone in on. It becomes a little bit more about them instead of about the people that they're serving. And you truly are serving humanity in a huge intentional way. And I really love the clarity around your work and your message. Thank you. I receive that so fully from you, Laura. Thank you. Good. You are welcome. Along your journey, as everything is kind of clarifying and becoming clear and you're moving in and maybe being surprised a little bit, like you said, you saw the dancing coming, but you didn't see the rest of this coming. Were there moments where you felt challenged or confused? Like, well, what do I do now? I often felt challenged and confused when I would go to an audition and I wouldn't get chosen. <laughs> of course. And I say that with such humor behind it because I was the dancer who would raise her hand and say, can you say the numbers again? Because you clearly didn't say mine and that must be a mistake. <laughs> and I say that because I was so clear and tenacious and driven with what I knew I was meant to be doing. And it was just crazy to me that people would pass on me. And that has taught me so much about understanding that no means not yet, understanding uh, that when somebody doesn't choose you, it has very little to do with you. They're casting a show. They're looking at the costume sizes. There's so many things that you have to take into consideration. So now that I'm on the other side of the table and I'm constantly saying no to somebody, I am very, very conscious and compassionate about making it clear to them that it's not yet. So being confused when I was going through the process of being chosen was something that I experienced. And also 
I knew that when I allowed myself to sit in the confusion and spend too much time in the discomfort, I was wasting precious time. There's no, there's no reason to sit around and wonder why somebody didn't choose you. There's no reason why you should sit around and say, gosh, I was about to direct that show on Broadway and the, the money, just the funding dropped out at the bottom. The more time you spend staying confused and wondering why something doesn't happen, the less time you are spending having an impact and making an impact in the world. So I learned very early on to not spend too much time being confused and to just keep the story moving. Yeah, I, I love that. Make, make, keep the story moving because life, I, it's always been my belief that life is a story and that we are the main character in our story. And for many people, they don't think they're the main character. They think they are subject to the whims of the other actors around them. And I like how you said, it's okay to be confused. It's okay to question but keep the story moving because how many people have we met over a lifetime and listeners, maybe you're finding yourself there right now that are just stuck. You know, something bad happens and granted it's horrible. Something bad does happen, but then the storyline stops and that's not a life. Right. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be epic failures. And those are gifts. Those are things that give us an opportunity to grow, to be pushed beyond what we thought we were capable of. And when you allow a failure or a misstep to create paralysis or complacency, then again, you are preventing the world from receiving your gifts. And I do believe completely that every human being is meant to share their gifts with other human beings in this world. Absolutely. I believe that with all my heart and soul. Here's a question for you, though, because some of the listeners out there might be thinking, well, Trisha, of course, you knew from a very early age that you were supposed to take stages. And Laura, you knew from a very early age that this was your path, but I don't know my path. Do you have any words of wisdom for people who might be out there listening and thinking, well, yeah, easy for you, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do? I think that many people fall into the trap of, I'm supposed to do what my parents told me to do, or I'm supposed to do X, Y, or Z. And really, if we go inside and ask ourselves the question, what makes me happy? And what do I really desire out of life? And you let go of all of the Im imposed shoulds from society, parents, friends, spouses, whatever. All of a sudden, we'll start to think about, well, you know, I actually love taking care of dogs. And I know that sounds silly, but if you love taking care of dogs and your desire is to work with animals why shouldn't you explore what that looks like in terms of your passion and your purpose? And many people think, well, it's silly. I shouldn't do things that I like doing. Well, your life is very, very short. So I would encourage everyone listening to do things they like doing. And it is possible to make a living doing what you love. It is possible. And I know you believe that, Laura. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just want to echo you know, your sentiments, echo your wisdom on that. Life is short. 
And I believe that many of the missteps that people make aren't really missteps. In the moment, it feels like a misstep, but later on, those are often the key pivotal moments that we can look back on and say, well, if it wasn't for that, I would have never. Right. You know, those truly are the things that launch us in many different ways. Absolutely. I think reframing a misstep into a lesson learned is absolutely the it's how we grow it's how we become who we're meant to be if we went along through life and had this perfect opportunity come in front of us and have this perfect trail that we blazed with no bumps along the way we would be so boring we would be completely sanitized yes Yes, and that's not good. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit more about your cultivation of new speakers. You are working with people to help create an impact in the world. So you have got several different ways that you're doing that. And if there's any listeners out there who are thinking, yes, I've got my message, but I don't know what the next steps are. How do I become a speaker? How do I get my message out in the world? How do I make an impact? What are some of the things that you do to help curate new speakers? I'm super excited to talk with you about this, Laura, because I really am on a mission to create an army of dignified communicators who are mindful and heart-centered speakers. And I'm, I say that with complete sincerity because I believe the world right now has lost its skill in how to communicate with dignity. And once we bring that back, then we can actually make the world a better place. We can come together with differing opinions and be able to talk about it. And that's something that I'm really, really passionate about. And when I began working with speakers, I found that there was no place for them to show up and to take risks and to fail miserably and to succeed graciously. And so I thought if I could create communities where speakers can come together and not be alone, that is what I want to do. And it's just like directing an actor for me. I bring my speakers together just like I bring my cast of shows together. And I've been able to do that in several different ways. And one of the ways is in New York City, literally, uh, I put speakers on stage for six weeks. It's the speaker salon. And just like actors who go through uh, an acting program. At the end, there's a showcase for agents and managers. So I decided to create a speaker salon where 15 speakers come together once a week and I put them on stage at a theater in New York City and they work out content, they work on delivery, I coach them, I direct them, and they get to actually perform their content in front of their fellow speakers for six weeks. And being able to go on stage literally and work the nerves out in front of their colleagues has accelerated their transformation dramatically. And because I never tell the speakers when they're going to get up, hmm. they all have to be prepared. So everybody in that audience is ready to go. Their energy is, is at 10. And then by observing the other speakers and by observing the direction that they're being given, that is also something that has really accelerated the learning curve. And then at the end of these six weeks, I produce a showcase for them for 
speaker bureaus, conference organizers, TEDx organizers, television producers. So they literally perform in front of people who can book them onto stages. And that has been magical. I literally watch a speaker walk onto that stage in week one and transform into the speaker they are meant to be at, at week six. And that happens twice a year in New York City. And what I realized was I was getting all these calls from people who wanted to participate but who couldn't commute to the city once a week. They lived out of the country or out of the state. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to try to build something like this virtually. Hmm. I have no idea if it'll work. And two weeks ago, we just wrapped up the Big Talk Academy, which is a virtual 12-week certification program where I take the speakers through the idea mining, the writing process, how to open, how to close. I teach them how to pitch organizers. And then at the end of it, there's a virtual showcase where on a Zoom call, they all perform for me and I give them live feedback and direction. And it was so incredible to watch these speakers show up and perform for, for one another virtually. So that has become something that is incredible. And that is happening twice a year as well. It's all online. So anybody who lives anywhere can do it. And then I recently started the Big Talk community because I wanted people to be able to have the support of one another and me and understand that in my community, you might be on stage by yourself, but you're never alone. And so these, these community-driven offerings are something I take very seriously in addition to my one-on-one -on -one work with speakers who are having massive impact. And I really am committed to teaching the art of the big talk so that people understand their message needs to be heard. But I also want to teach people the technique that is going to give them the longevity of a speaker so that they can be heard above and beyond all the noise that's out there right now. Wow. I want to circle back around to when you said communicate with dignity and how communicating with dignity, in my opinion, would allow people to elevate and to have that longevity and that impact because, you know, I'm not sure exactly sure how you are defining dignity, but to me, when I hear you talk about communication with dignity, I hear authenticity, I hear skill, I hear polish. Because there's a lot, you're right, the world is very interesting right now, and there are a lot of speakers out there, and there's a lot of messaging that's going on, and sometimes the most beautiful, important, impactful message gets lost simply because of the way that it's being communicated, and I feel as if, if it were communicated with dignity, it would go so much further and it would change the world instead of just getting sucked away. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Laura. And also the respect piece. I think there's a lot of communication that is happening from Washington right now, and it is completely missing dignity and respect. Agreed. And Agreed. I'm not saying we have to 
come together with the same political views. I'm saying we can come together and have differing opinions and still communicate with dignity and respect. And that is what is important to me. Absolutely. And I'm also hearing, and you can correct me if I'm, if, if I'm wrong on this, dignity and respect is not necessarily the same as old school or rigidly politically correct. It's being able to express your thoughts, your opinions, your desires, but in a non-crude way. So perhaps... You know what I mean? Perhaps somebody is not wearing a tie or perhaps somebody is not in a suit jacket, but they are still communicating effectively and they are taking the listener's point of view into consideration. And you're right. Maybe they have very different beliefs, but it's not putting another person down. That's right. We don't have to crush someone else in order for our voice to be heard. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's a balance that the world right now doesn't necessarily understand. I feel like people are very into uh, this rugged individualism and it's going to be my way. And if you're too, if you're hurt by that, forget it. I'm not going to allow you to have a voice. And I think this is very important. I'm very interested in finding out some of the speakers that you're working with and watching their careers go, watching those messages get out into the world, because this is a really important balance, especially for the world right now. Thank you. I agree completely. Yeah. So where can listeners find out more about you and your message and the people that you're working with and their message and this Big Talk Academy and the Big Talk community and the speaker salon? Where can they learn more about you? You can go to trishabrook.com and I'm all over social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm everywhere. <laughs> yes. I like that. And then for listeners who are thinking, well, this is great. I really love you. I really love this idea, but I don't want to be a speaker myself. How, how can they work with you or reach out to you or follow you? Or what do you suggest for people who don't want to be an influencer, who don't want to be a change maker, but who want to support those who are? I think this is so important in terms of my platform as well. I produce a show with Jamie Broderick called Speakers Who Dare. And I believe that we are all speakers who dare, whether we take a stage or not. And the speakers that I produce, create, help design, they're all meant to take stages. They all really want to share their messages. But I do think that everyone has an important message to share and it might be around your kitchen table with your kids and that is equally as important as somebody who is taking a stage alongside Michelle Obama. So I really want to give credit and the weight to those folks who are ultimately influencers in a way that they may not even know it and so if they are interested in Understanding the importance of what it means to communicate from a big stage or not, I would suggest coming over to my website and hopping on um, to my newsletter because I send something every week that talks about the importance of you being a speaker, whether you're on stage or not. And that's how I would love to support people who are not actually speaking. 
That's beautiful. And you know, you're absolutely right. Sometimes the conversation around a kitchen table or in the boardroom is more impactful than communication that takes place from a stage because perhaps you are influencing your kids and the way that they are going to grow up or the culture of a company and you're able to facilitate a shift that has been a long time coming, but people just have not understood it in the way that you were able to communicate. So I'm, again, Huge kudos to you for honoring that and for taking that dignity down into personal and interpersonal null communications as well. Thank you. Yay. Now, I want to kind of shift gears here for a moment, and I want to move into the five steps of flaunt. And I would love to hear your stories, your interpretations around these five steps. Now, for listeners who might be new to my show, FLAUNT is an acronym, and it stands for Find Your Fetish, Laugh Out Loud, Accept Unconditionally, Navigate the Negative, and Trust in Your Truth. And it's through these five steps that I believe we are able to drop our cover, we are able to become authentic, and we are able to reveal exactly who we are inside, exclusive of our labels, our rules, our scripts, and most importantly, exclusive of all of those stories that we have going on in our head all the time about, well, this is going to happen first, and I should be doing this, and ooh, once I lose five pounds, then I, and ooh, once I do that. I believe these are the five steps that help us strip down, get naked, and really move in to who we are so we can let our light shine. So Trisha, let's start with the beginning. Find your fetish. What are some of the things that you love passionately doing in your life? I love to cook. I love to spend time with my husband. I love to see a speaker or an actor get it in the moment. I love to watch them get it. That is something that really turns me on. I love to produce shows. I love to entertain audiences so they walk out of the theater, my church as I call it, <laughs> a different person. And I love to wake up every day knowing that I am living in purpose. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm hearing that you have incorporated your fetishes into your everyday life, that your fetishes aren't just things you do when you're on vacation, or they're not just things you do on the weekend. It sounds like these are things that you have allowed to infiltrate and become the building blocks of your everyday life. I think everyday life is what defines us. And if we are holding back in our day-to-day -day life because we need to save that for a special day or we need to save that for holiday or vacation, then we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to live fully in the moment. And I know everybody's celebrating the holidays recently and I'm completely serious when I say every day is Christmas at my house. Hmm. We are always celebrating. We are always giving each other gifts. We're always, um, 
lit up even if there are not lights on a Christmas tree and that is something that I think I would love for your listeners they probably already do with you at the helm Laura but I would love for your listeners to live their fetishes every single day yes absolutely now for me part of my fetish finding and part of my fetish drive is looking forward to things in the future um you know my listeners know for a long time I was a corporate attorney former dancer, missed dance like nobody's business, but couldn't figure out how to get it into my life until I discovered burlesque and I started performing again. And ooh, I spent such juicy time in that phase of anticipating, anticipating the next show, anticipating learning more about burlesque. What is on the horizon for you? Do you have anything right now where you're just like juicily excited that, oh, I can't wait to delve into this next thing? I'm excited about writing a new show. And I'm excited about taking a big stage in January, on January 12th. That's going to be a really big deal because I'm I'm talking about something for the first time Um on a big stage and that's going to be uh, extremely exciting for me. Um, I'm also very excited that four of my documentaries are going to be screened in LA in February and uh, that's going to be super exciting too. So I do, I am anticipating all of those things. Oh good, congratulations. Those all sound really amazing. Thank you. And that moves us right into the next step. L, laugh out loud. What is the role that humor plays in your life? It's everything. I have to laugh about everything. My husband and I laugh about everything. I write musicals about really complicated, difficult subjects like mental health challenges. And within a storyline where there might be a suicide, there has to be a moment of humor to balance it because life is hard. (laughs) And when we only allow the difficulties in, we're missing out on the beauty and the humor. And I think that when you can laugh at yourself and when you can laugh at a situation, then we are reminded that we're all human beings. Right, right. Now, what about those moments where it is really difficult and you're really in pain and you're really stressed? Do you have any tips that you can share with listeners about how you find that humor, how you find that laughter again when you really just are grouchy and hurt and you don't think it's there? That's a great question. And it might not be there for a while, and that's okay. I think what's really important, and this is one of my mantras, keep the story moving, experience the pain, experience the anger, let yourself be disappointed, let yourself be angry, and then really acknowledge, am I still really angry or am I just enjoying being angry because it's easier than letting go? And when you can identify that you're probably just holding on to the anger because it's easier than letting go, that's when you need to let go and move into the funny. Because trust me, there is something funny about everything. I believe that fully. And I like how you talked about 
asking yourself, am I, am I truly feeling this? Because how often are we not? And we just get locked into whatever it is, being grouchy. I will fully admit there are so many times I have been locked into an emotion and I don't know why. (laughs) Yeah. And we're like, wow, I'm not actually mad anymore, but I think I should be. Yes. Yes. Where does that come from? <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. It's just ridiculous. And again, perfect segue into AU, the golden center of flaunt, which is accept unconditionally. And by that, I mean accepting ourselves unconditionally, our shadow, as well as our gifts, and then accepting others and their good traits and their not so good traits unconditionally. What about you, Tricia? What do you find the most difficult to accept in other people? I live in New York City, and I'm confronted with grouchy people every single day. And I find it difficult to accept no matter what vocation you're doing, I find it difficult to accept not doing a good job 100%. And I don't care if you're a grocery bagger, if you're a barista. I think that it it's difficult for me to accept somebody who doesn't want to do a good job, no matter what the job. Mm, yeah, I can relate to that. And now kind of flipping that around, not to put you on the spot, but I find that Most often when we have something that's difficult to accept in other people, it mirrors something that's difficult to accept in ourselves. Not always, but oftentimes. Is there any way that that mirrors what you find difficult to accept in yourself? I think it's not a mirror at all. I think that I am so focused on doing the the highest possible version of whatever it is I'm doing that I have that expectation in others. And that is, that is my mistake is that I have the expectation for others that I have for myself. Absolutely. No, that is absolutely spot on. And even before I asked the question, I thought, you know what, she seems kind of like a perfectionist and I can kind of relate to that perfectionism and I get that frustration from other people as well. So absolutely. So then turning around to yourself, what do you find the most difficult to accept in yourself? I'm pretty accepting of myself, flaws and all. And Mm. I think being able to love myself unconditionally is how I can show up loving everyone in the world unconditionally. And I think that when we identify the reality that other people are going to judge us. Mm -hmm. As soon as we accept that fully, then we can let go of judging ourselves. Let other people do it. Yeah, I love that. And then again, flipping that back around to other people, is that a lesson that you like to help others with because it was something that you learned within yourself and now do you like to teach them that same lesson? The lesson being that everybody is going to judge you 
that your only job is to love yourself and absolutely i mean that's what i teach my actors that's what i teach and mentor my speakers when you begin to put yourself out there more visibly and more fully and more frequently you are going to get judges critics haters and when you do that and have unconditional love for yourself Mm -hmm. it's like kryptonite it doesn't affect you anymore yeah absolutely and you know just for the listeners who are listening i kind of want to dive a little bit deeper onto this one because i agree with that fully and you had said earlier when other people judge you it doesn't say anything really about you it says about them and maybe that they're casting a show and that the costumes might not fit it truly isn't about you and i don't feel like you're denying having the feelings that you're not saying oh i don't really care what anybody thinks there still might be those moments of ouch but you're able to move into that mindset of you know what this says something about them it doesn't say anything about me and I know that I am doing a good job and I'm okay with that. So it doesn't hurt. And then in the parens for long. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. And knowing that your message is coming from a place of dignity and respect, there's no reason for you to take on the feelings of not having done your job well. Yes, absolutely. So N is about navigating the negative. I am sure you, like anybody, have made some missteps sometimes, or you've auditioned and they haven't called your number. Do you have any personal practices or tips or tricks for navigating the negative that you can share with the listeners? I always say no means not yet. I always keep the story moving and epic fails are ultimately your greatest gifts. Absolutely. And then would you be willing to share what you consider one of your most difficult failures, blocks, you know, negative experiences and how you moved through it? I was slated to direct a new Broadway musical about Johnny Carson, and it was a team of men, and I was a female director, and I was so excited. I did all of the research, and I, I basically fell in love with Johnny Carson because I knew so much about him and his story. And I dramaturged the script with the with the writer for several years. We had done a showcase that was extremely successful the money was coming in it was ready to go and then all of a sudden there were some conflicts of interest in terms of the creative team so it just fell apart it went away and i remember thinking i need to mourn the loss of this experience and i know that i showed up 110% the entire time, the entire process. And I need to trust the universe has something else for me to direct. Mm -hmm. And I, I never considered it a failure, but, but I considered it a massive loss. And for your listeners, I want to share that when something goes away or doesn't happen, 
it's not necessarily a failure. It is a loss and something that you can experience pain over. But give yourself permission to mourn the loss of that experience so that you can move on from it. Because if you don't mourn the loss, you're just going to experience resentment and it's going to create that paralysis that we talked about earlier. So give yourself permission to mourn the loss and move on and keep the story moving. I really like, I, I wrote that down, failure versus loss. I really think there's a ton of wisdom in that. Um, because how many of the listeners out there right now have lost something like that and they take it as a personal failure? And, you know, without knowing the ins and outs of this story that you just shared, this went away not because you did something wrong, not because you didn't show up, not because it just went away and it's not, I love that you made that distinguish, you know, just was able to distinguish that it was a loss, not a failure. Yeah. And I think we can get stuck in taking it personally. And again, when we don't make it about us, we can see clearly and we can get back to what it is we're meant to be doing, which is having impact in the world and on others. Absolutely. And that goes right to, you know, the impact on others. The T is trusting your truth. And through this whole interview, you know, you've talked about impact and you're very consciously aware of the impact that you're making. And you are making a huge impact, not only through you and the work that you do, but by elevating others to make impact. Um, I'd like you to say more about your truth as a soul on this planet, your truth as a divine messenger, your truth within. Say more about your truth and what that means to you. I truly believe I am making the world a better place by elevating, lifting up, supporting as many human beings as I can to share their message and by showing up the way I do every single day, authentically, honestly, living in complete integrity, by showing up that way fully every single day and having that be my truth and having it be consistent. Consistency is everything. That is giving people permission to step into their truth. There's a lot of inaccuracies. There's a lot of inconsistencies that are happening right now on this planet. And when we show up rock solid in integrity, knowing that we are meant to make the world a better place by how we behave and by who we are and by how we show up in this world, that is how we come together as a community and save humanity and the planet. Wow. That's beautiful. And that is so solid. And I'm thinking every listener out there right now, I would like to challenge you to find again, your truth, your message like that, communicating with dignity, <laughs> becoming, helping others become a messenger on the planet, whatever your truth is, if you show up consistently Thank you for that word. Consistently in your truth. I think that's where the change happens because looking back over your life, Trisha, if you were not auditioning consistently, you probably would have never danced with Brzezhnikov. If you were not cultivating and curating, you know, speakers and showing up consistently, you probably would not be elevated to the position that you have elevated, been elevated to with, through yourself and by others 
because they would know you were inconsistent. And just like you were talking about finding it difficult to accept other people who don't give their all, that's that consistency piece. And if we give all on Monday and then eh, sort of a little bit on Tuesday and don't show up on Wednesday, we're not able to make an impact because making an impact three days out of the year really isn't making much of an impact. Right. Absolutely. So were you born this way or is this something that you kind of developed as you grew? I was definitely born with drive, clarity of vision, tenacity, and a clear direction of purpose. What I've come to understand recently is the infinite potential of my contributions in the world. And that is incredibly exciting because now my vision has expanded even beyond what I can see that's right in front of me. And that's something that I'm gets me out of bed really early every morning. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So what would you kind of to wrap up the interview here, what would you say to listeners who don't necessarily have that clarity of vision right now, who are spinning, who are stuck, who feel like they might have lost their dignity and they've been sucked into all the junk that's going on in the world right now. Do you have any words of wisdom for them to help them find that clarity, to help them move into their truth, to help elevate their personal game? We have to get really, really quiet in order to hear what's possible. And I think when someone, when we're stuck in that spinning cycle, when we're stuck in that self-doubt cycle, when we're stuck in that, I'm just not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm a failure, all of that kind of self-talk, when we're stuck there, reframing that and I say this to my speakers when they say what if I forget my lines what if I fall down what if they hate my talk what if nobody cares what if I faint I ask them to reframe what if you get a standing ovation what if you change someone's life what if you save someone's life so moving from self-doubt to I can and I will Moving from the constant noise to a moment of silence might help in terms of stepping out of that spinning cycle. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Listeners, I really hope you have enjoyed listening to Trisha about how she builds her dreams. She has built her dreams, yet she continues to build her dreams because life is a story and that story is ongoing and she is still creating new and exciting things for her life. And I just hope you feel that. I hope you feel that inside, no matter where you're sitting today. If you're, you know, sitting at home raising kids thinking, I don't know when this is going to end. If you are on your fifth career, if you're on your third career, if you were like me and spent years getting an advanced degree and then started your career and thought, this isn't really what I wanted. 
the story needs to keep moving on. And you are the author and you are the director and you are the creator and you are the star. So build your dreams so you can dig deep and find and uncover that glorious sparkle of yours. And so you can touch lives, whether it's from stages or whether it's in the boardroom or at your own kitchen table, sparkle away, build your dreams, live your sparkle. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. So Trisha, thank you for being my guest and for sharing your wisdom with all of my listeners today. It has been an ultimate pleasure. Thank you, Laura. You are welcome. Have a glorious week. Listeners, once again, build those dreams, find and live that sparkle. And as usual, don't forget to flaunt. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Build your dreams, live your sparkle with radio host Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Come release self-judgment, reveal your naked self-worth, and re-choreograph a life filled with joy. Flaunt. Find your fetish, laugh out loud, accept unconditionally, navigate the negative, and trust in your truth. Find out more at lauracheadle.com. That's L-O-R-A-C-H-E-A-D-L-E.com. Thank you.